Welcome to Open World. I'm Rose. And I'm TK. And Open World is a show about hopeful futures and how to bring them closer. Yes. And on today's episode, we are headed to cyberspace. We're going to the beeps and the boops. Yes. I love the beeps and the boops and the bops and the bloops. This piece is full of them. So you're, <laughs> yeah. this is for you. Oh, uh, this is, this is, this is the one I've been waiting for. You know what? Let's not keep these people from their bleeps and bloops and just get into the story. And now ED7A93, Pink Carnation by Hexadeck Podcast. Welcome to shop A46920. Emery's Everyday Skins. Are you looking for... NPC or person? Oh, uh, person. Hi. Oh, thank God. I always get so weirded out with the NPC shopkeeps, you know? It feels like if shops were run by robots back before. (laughs) Or like if you bought everything in some kind of weird digital shop space and then things just arrived on your doorstep, huh? Yeah, like... Oh. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I guess you're right. Yeah, I I feel you. Are you looking for anything in particular? Yeah, so I was hoping for some buffs on armor. I was helping debug the system and I was kind of into... Do you remember that trend from like, man, I don't know, like 2102? We kind of circled back to the late 2090s. <gasps> oh, this place is cute. Specific, but you listening? Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, for for sure. 20, uh, 2090s, you said. Yeah, I think we've got something like that over here. Here, go ahead and browse around here and see if this is up your alley. If not, I can do custom orders. I've gotten the editing capabilities here down pretty well, all things considered. It should snap to the data points on your build, but let me know if anything comes out all janky. Sometimes things clip weird. You know how it goes. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Thanks. Hi, um, hi. How can I help you? Oh, I was kind of just... You know, browsing. But but your detail work here is really impressive. Oh, uh, thank you. I gotta ask, did you paint back before? No, 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 just just graphic design work. Mm, makes sense. That's why the skill translated so well here. I've taken up painting, and it's nice, but it's not really anything I did back before, so... What did you do back before? <sighs> I was, um, a florist. Oh, Oof. Yeah, so clearly that didn't last long. I lived somewhere that was pretty lush, but, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. So I was a pretty early adopter to get into the permanent VR space here because, I mean, the girl's got to make a living somehow, and nobody was really interested in some shriveled little dandelions. Wow, I'm really sorry about that. I, I never really had the chance to see flowers. I think my dad got me some baby's breath once. Oh, that's sweet. It's nice that at least you got to see something before everything dried up. <laughs> sorry, I, uh, I I didn't mean to bog you down with my sob story or anything. I was wondering if you had anything that gave just a little boost to Dex? I thought it might help steady my hands while I paint. Here. Oh, wow. Is this is this your work? It's gorgeous. Oh, Thanks. I hate it. What? No, this is beautiful. Is this, Did this flower exist or? Yeah, you, okay. So you know the color lavender and like the, the scent? 
that's what the flower looked like. Wow, kind of kind of like a cute asparagus. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But, but see the blending here? It's so choppy, and I know I could do better with these hands if they just had a little help to steady them. Well, I think it's amazing. I can do some art, but I'm definitely no painter. I wish I had skills like yours, though. But I can show you hey, to... Excuse me? Um, sorry to interrupt, but this jacket just kind of... Oh, man, that just clipped right through your face, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I can get on that. Sorry, um... Oh, I guess I didn't get your name? Kimbra. It's nice to meet you. I'm Emery. Nice to meet you, too. I'm just gonna go help. For sure, for sure. You said you did customs, right? Would it be chill if I just comms to you some image refs for what I was thinking? Yeah, that would be great. I'd be happy to make something for you. Hit me up, uh, whenever. Oh, hey, I think I've got... Wait, no, no. Now it's clipping through my, uh, all of me? <laughs> uh, on it. Kimbra, talk to you soon, I hope. Vanta, I'm home, baby. Hi, baby. I wonder if they've got anything even close to natural fibers in this thing yet, or if I'll just have to go into the editor and see what I can do. Oh shit, that's her. Hey, Emery. This is Kimbra. Uh, we, we talked earlier in your shop. I was hoping to put in a custom order for a new skin. Just the clothes, preferably. Um... Honestly, I've never really cared much about clothes. Back before, I just tried to stay comfortable, so, um, I, I, I don't know. I just really liked your work. I, sorry, I'm just now realizing how silly this is. Um, ah! pants? Maybe like a cardigan? Sorry. Uh, feel free to hit me back if you need any more information or, or whatever. Uh, anyway. I, I'm gonna go... Catch the new overlay they're doing in the sky tonight? Um, later. <laughs> oh, shit, the overlay change. I'm gonna miss it. Vanta, baby, come on, let's, let's go to the balcony. Vanta, it's the, uh, Mora Borianis. Alora Arboretum. Uh, northern, Northern Lights. Yeah, big mood, baby. It's gorgeous. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I think I've got some inspo for this outfit, actually. So, do you like it? Oh, it's so cute. I really like the structure. This cardigan is great. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, so, so it's not quite done, though. N no? So, 
Okay, so, so you see those weird color swatches on your sleeve there? I wasn't just being avant-garde. I was thinking that you might want to help me just do some quick finishing touches on the button-up. I know you said your blending could use some help, but I figure... Ooh, the colors! Blending, is is that? Yep. To match the... Yep. And I could just... What, paint on it? Well, I was thinking I'd get the skin's actual files for you to paint on. That way, it'd look like it was part of the linen texture instead of, you know, just paint on a shirt. <gasps> oh, I love that. Wow, thank you. Pleasure's all mine. <clears throat> Most people want to look, you know, cool. I can't blame them. It's just not really my scene. Yeah, same. So I can comms you the file or... I might need a little more help, honestly. I've got supplies in one of the studio spaces. Would you mind coming with me to show me what I'm doing? Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. I can just uh, put a little away message on the shop for a bit. Which studio is it? B19443. See you over there in a sec? Yeah, deaf. Oh, wow, I can almost smell the paint in here. Right? I got into painting here because I did some painting classes back before when I was a kid, and there's just something about it. I, I do miss the real smell, though, and the, you know, the feeling of it. You can kind of feel it in here, but it's, it's off, you know? Viscosity just isn't quite right. <sighs> okay, so, sorry, how do we do this thing? Let me open up the file real quick. Okay, so I know it looks weird all flat like this, but that's how mock-ups usually go. So this section is the button down. See the buttons and the collar there? So theoretically, you should be able to select the color swatches with your paintbrush, set the brush to, I don't know, some other opacity or something, and then go for it. Okay, amazing. 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 Okay, did you literally just pull these colors from the Aurora Borealis they made? Aurora Borealis! Oh my god, I couldn't remember what that was called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I figured, like, I figured it'd be a nice touch. Yeah, I love it. I might tweak them a little, mix them with some of my paints here. I never saw the actual Northern Lights, but I always loved pictures of them. They did it pretty well in the overlay, but... I don't know, it still feels kind of... flat. Well, I guess that's just what we get, though. It seems like the switch to VR was really hard for you, even if you did it early. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't love that this was the outcome. I don't love that we couldn't fix it, that we didn't really try. Yeah, everything just happened so slowly and then just so, so fast. I wish we hadn't taken so much for granted. That's, that's what really got to me when I was still working. When some flowers started going extinct, people freaked out, for sure. Orchids were pretty hard to grow in the first place, but people loved them. Same for hydrangeas. And I'm sure you remember when people freaked out about roses. Oh god, yeah, I remember that. Must have been a headache for you. And a heartache. I mean, roses seem cliched until they're just gone. And then you realize why they were cliched. I stopped remembering their smell a few years before I switched to VR. I had some candles and stuff, but it was never really real. Same for lavender, but at least lavender was always pretty easy to grow, even in the drier climates. Especially in the drier climates. So, 
It lasted for a while longer than everything else. But, uh, okay, so, taking things for granted. Actually, could you hand me the navy paint real quick? Oh, this? No, the- This one. Yeah, 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 perfect, thank you. So, taking things for granted. So people freaked out about some flowers going extinct, but then for others, there was just nothing. Like, like take the carnation, for example. The what? The carnation? Oh, man, okay. Uh, so the carnation was this... Uh, how to explain? Carnations were really, um, silly? They were cheap flowers, even right up to the end. Easy to grow, super easy to color with just some food dye and water. They were kind of like, uh, they were the kind of flowers teenagers would get for each other for dates, but they didn't really have a big function otherwise. They were just simple and nice and pretty, and they didn't need to be anything bigger than that. The small things always go unnoticed when they leave, I guess. What did they look like? <laughs> kind of, uh, kind of like little pom-poms. They were layers and layers of petals, pretty, pretty thin and delicate, but... They had this little jagged edge on the petals that I always loved. They were small and they were silly, but I don't know. I just always loved them. They actually kind of looked like fabric ruffles, just tons and tons of ruffles, but they were overlooked and nobody took them seriously. Nobody missed them when they... You okay? Yeah. N no. I don't know. I just... I just miss it, you know? I know we can't go back, but I miss things feeling real. I miss flowers. I know that sounds so silly, I know. It doesn't. Not at all. It's weird for me. I never really got to experience anything natural. Except for stone and wood. I only ever lived in big cities, and by then even the trees and parks were fake. So this whole new world feels pretty natural to me, even if I know it's not. I can't imagine how hard this must be for you. Yeah. Thank you. I just... I'm so worried that in another year or two, I won't even remember what carnations look like, you know? Even if I try and paint them, like I, like I did with the lavender. I... I don't know. It's not the same. Okay, so I think that's the first draft done. Is this something you'd maybe want to do more of? I'd love to do a profit split or something, if you'd be into that. Really? I, yeah, I'd love that. I would love that. This one would look interesting with maybe, like, Grand Canyon colors? Did you ever go to the Grand Canyon? No, I never did. My parents always called it a big hole, hole in the ground. In the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone out my way did too. I can help you with it though. Maybe if I describe the colors and textures, we can figure it out together? growing up, and she taught me and my sisters everything about everything she grew, but I was really the only one who took to it. Are your sisters here too? Nah, not yet. Probably in a couple of years. I miss them a lot, but... Ah! Oh my god! Santa! 
<laughs> no begging. Leave Kimbra alone. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you named your cat Vanta? Like, Vanta Black? Listen. You nerd. You absolute art nerd. No, seriously, thank you. Honestly, I'm shocked you even think my art's good enough. Though, that buff to Dex really did help. You're absolutely sure it's okay if I set up a shop in here with you? Absolutely. We're collaborating on just about everything anyway. It's so much easier. Besides, I kind of get lonely here, just sitting in the shop all day. I get a good amount of customers, but it's just not the same as really having, like, a friend. Mm-hmm. A friend. Yeah, is, is that... Sorry, am I being- No, 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 you're good, you're good. I'm happy to be a friend instead of just a co-worker. Yeah, of course, Kim. You're- <clears throat> You're like the first person here who- God, okay, don't laugh at me. Promise? Promise. <clears throat> I just didn't get out a lot back before, you know? It was really hard to. It was literally too hot to go outside most days. So I had friends in the apartments I lived in, and I had friends in school, but, like, I don't know. By then, so many people were leaning really hard into the whole apathy thing, and then I came here, and I was hoping that more people would see it as, I don't know, something new. Something to feel something about again. And everyone just... <sighs> anyway, I know that's not totally the case for you. I know it's hard for you to be here, but I like that you still care about things, even though it's hard. Especially because it's hard. And that's the kind of person I want to be making art with. Oh. Oh, God, sorry, was that- No, that- <laughs> Gross, I'm such a dork. <laughs> you care about caring. Oh, I'm Emery and I love feeling feelings. Kimbra, paint me a big rain cloud so I can cry, but then a big rainbow so I can talk about how hopeful it my is. How do you mean he? Oh, I love my cat mm. so much I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm sorry I was running late. I... What? What is all of this? Just a little something I've been working on. Th they look so real. But Em, you... You haven't even seen a carnation before. You've only seen my paintings. Oh, <laughs> good. You knew what they were. Of course. Did I do them okay? I know the I know the colors are off, but I was hoping that together we could. Well, what do they do? Huh? Do they add a buff to something if you equip them? Are they consumables? Do well, they? Well, you can put them in a vase in your home, and you can look at them. And that's all? That's all they need to do. Did Did you do all this for me? Well, I mean, I wanted everyone to be able to look at them and remember flowers. They'll never be able to be as good as the real ones, but. I don't want anyone to be afraid of forgetting. We are here now, but I want us to remember what it was like back before. I don't want us to take things for granted like that again. I want people to be able to have flowers again. But, um, <clears throat> like, if I'm being real here, yeah, I 
did it for you, Kimbra. Thank you, Em. Thank you. I'm so glad you like them, and we can make them better together. I think they're perfect as they are. <laughs> 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 and I thought I was the corny one. I was trying to be suave. It's my turn to woo you. <laughs> Your turn to be the nerd, more like. Okay, so I remember the first time I listened to this one and I was like, this is both hopeful and also the most depressing one we've heard because the living, like all of like living on the internet, I don't know, I'm already incredibly online and it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> living on the internet, not recommended. The loss of actual stuff is one of the scariest things to me. This makes me think of what happens if we can't order stuff in the mail anymore or just like go down to the store. Like this is the one that got me nervous. But then you have the this friendship that blossoms yeah. because of that loss, right? Like because these people are longing for not just physical things, but like each other. Yeah. And I think the other thing that makes me think of, too, is is, you know, for this character, the carnation, right, is the thing that they talk a lot about. And for me, a carnation is probably not the thing. But I've been thinking a lot about what would be that one thing that seems kind of small today that I would miss incredibly. Yeah. If we didn't have it, like what would that which what thing would that be? Oh, uh, for me, that thing would be. You know what? I feel like they're going to take soda away from us soon. I don't know why. Like, you know, like this. Over my dead body. <laughs> don't take soda. I don't even drink it that much right now. But I think one day I'm going to need a frosty cold something and I won't be able to get it poured out. It'll be like generated by like a machine and then it'll be like virtual soda. <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I think for me it would be um, I, I'm, I like clay I like to make things out of clay which is sort of the ultimate yeah. like taking dirt and turning it into something um and that would be so sad to not have anymore to actually use your hands to make something I yeah. mean so much of our work both you and I is like typing at a computer and like clicking the mouse and doing things in this virtual space and for me having that grounding like here is a bunch of mud that I yeah. am shaping into a, a thing that is not I mean my art's not that good it's just fun <laughs> but, <laughs> But it is really important to me. And not having something like that, would, I think, would be totally devastating. Yeah. If you can't get that dirt to make into mud, to make into clay, mm -hmm. what do you do with your hands at that point, you know? Um, so that's why it was tough for us. But then you had this growth of a relationship and the passage of time. And that never gets old. And and we're trying to make friends through Zoom calls right now and and mm -hmm. virtual birthday parties. And this is just, this is that. We're almost there. So I just want us to keep on trying to meet people and be open to people yeah. and enjoy their company. And when you, when, it, when something resonates, like grab hold of that real tight. For sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. 
Yeah, and all of those things are things that we actually talked about with the creators of this episode. And in fact, this is one episode of a series now. Um, so when we come back, you're going to hear a conversation with Will Williams and Ann Baird about all of these things. But first, a quick commercial break. Thank you for coming on Open World. We are so excited to have you here to talk about this piece, which is part of a series called Hexadeck. Um, so maybe let's start there, right? What is Hexadeck and what was the sort of inspiration for it? So I have always had a fascination with like specifically Pantone colors. I've been following the colors of the year for as long as I can remember. And it only occurred to me this year, my dad owned a sign shop. When I was growing up, like he made like, you know, big, big fluorescent signs. And in his office, um, I would be there pretty often when I was little. He had this big binder of essentially just color chips of, of Pantone colors. And I would just flip through it obsessively. So when I wrote the book that Valence is based on, um, Valence is an urban fantasy story and in the book everybody's magic has a different color and those all have like thematic implications as you do they are categorized by their pantone color names but when we translated that to audio that's something that just like didn't really carry over <laughs> given you can't well some people can hear color i'm not one of those people um so instead we have them all have different sound effects for their magic when it came time to write this piece for Open World, I wanted something that's futuristic, but also still kind of sweet. So Pantone colors were just automatically where my brain jumped. And after we wrote it, uh, Anne and Katie, Katie is one of our uh, co-creators of Hug House, co-founders. She's also one of the voice actors. Um, Anne and Katie both kind of razzed me like, well, you and your Pantone colors. And I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> and then we just kind of thought like, this would be a really fun way to get out all of the ideas that don't fit into something like Valence or don't fit into something like Scoring Magic, just these little one-offs. Um, and we're going to open those up. We're going to open up submissions for that to our our other creators in Hog House, like our voice actors, sound designers, things like that. And then maybe eventually the greater public. So exciting. Did do you think the sign shop inspired the shop in this piece? Almost definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that, like, it's super future and we're still browsing in shops, you know, <laughs> like the, which I think is like so fun. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so maybe let's talk about this piece in particular and sort of like what the maybe the inspiration was for for this particular piece and like why why did you go in this direction for this piece? I really like discussions of VR and I, I really, really like I like sci-fi where there's something massive happening, some huge cultural shift. But meanwhile, most of the mundane things stay the same. Um, I think that that's actually a lot more common than we think. And I, I love these super advanced 
really built worlds where everything is different. But I think that if you're taking a a society as if we were starting here and doing one massive change, I think that we're too in love with patterns to really move past things like browsing in a shop. Um, we see these changes slowly, for sure. Um, I, I know that like most people are more likely to just buy something online than go into a storefront in some cases. But I, I like the idea that people, regardless of the changes, will stay the same and they will stay passionate about the things that they would have been passionate about before, especially if they're the people who are uh, straddling this change. They've been on either side of it. So for me, when I think about digital spaces, one of the things that I, I lose quickly and feel distance with is things like scent and things that are tangible. So I, I wanted a really, I guess, sensuous concept for where to go, something that is past just sound and visual, something that you can't really attain in a digital space. So first thought was smell, and then second thought was touch. And that just immediately had me hop over to flowers. Yeah, I, I love... I mean, to me, there sort of feels like a meta conversation going on in in the way that the format plays with the idea, too, because you've picked something that's really hard to do in audio, right? Something very visual. And then you're also sort of talking about the ways in which VR sort of like distances us from some of these senses that we can't get in, in VR. So I love that sort of parallel between the form and the story here. I love putting things that shouldn't be in audio in audio. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of like, just thinking of a lot of the stuff you want to do in Valence. It's like, no, you can't do that. No. <laughs> so often our notes in Valence to our sound designer, Julia Shafini, are just like, hey, is this anything? <laughs> and yet, right? Like, and yet you get there. I think that like, the yeah, who says but a dog I, I can't like play that. football? Like, who says you can't have right. scent in a podcast? Right. I wanted listeners or I guess the audience, to focus so much on the sensory experiences that they weren't having and can't be conveyed in audio to make that like hypersensitive to them, to see if I could elicit that kind of response, make them really picture uh, a carnation and think about the texture of, you know, of the petals and then think about the sense of other flowers. I, I really like... Uh, emphasizing a lack of an experience to try to get the the listener or the audience to create that experience on their own. I want to go back to something you said earlier about sort of the mundane and the ways in which a lot of science fiction kind of is super action in space and like there's not a lot of just like making bread or like doing like so these are more like you know normal normal quote-unquote things but um in the last conversation we had which is with was with the obsidian podcast the duo there they talked about the same thing and in particular pointing out sort of like mundane afrofuturism where you know particularly black people have to be like exceptional all the time and be saving the world all the time and not just living their lives and going on a family road trip Trip and like doing normal things that regular people just sort of do and pointing that out and how that is sort of a almost like a radical act to include in these conversations around the future. And I love that you also brought that up too. this idea that the future. Yeah, it might have space war, but it's also going to have taking out the trash. 
Right. And I think, um, not to compare the two marginalized experiences, obviously, but I think that uh, a lot of it is the same for for queer people. So, like, we can look at, obviously, I, I think it's not, like, a surprise to hear that a big inspiration for this piece was San Junipero, the, the Black Mirror episode. And in that, you know, you have a queer relationship that has these really beautiful moments of quiet, but it's still wrapped up in um, this really high stakes event driving it. And, you know, the sort of trappings of figuring out what's going on. And I, I mean, like a, a big credo and Anne can attest to this at Hug House is, um, thing, but make it gay. (laughs) Um, and, and I think like, you know, just these little vignettes, um, of something just again, really mundane and really sweet, but make it gay. I think that that can be really powerful and something that I know I've felt really lacking. Sometimes I think it's easier, at least for myself, to envision that kind of media in a world that is separated from ours. I think that it makes the tension there a little bit easier and makes it easier to focus on the positive and the beauty of that experience versus like, wow, I wish we could just have this in mass media right now, set present day. So, Anne, what drew you to playing this particular character? Was that always on the table that it was going to be you? Or did you say, like, I call this one, I want to be this character? Like, how did that sort of play out? Oh, gosh, what did we? It was it was always going to be me and Katie playing Kimbra and Emery. There, yeah, that was the only two options. Yeah. Um, um on, I mean I can say like I definitely wrote those two for you two like I I had in my head who I was writing for did not broadcast that to you two knew who you'd gravitate for <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like you collaborate a lot and know each other very well <laughs> Hug House and the three of us in particular have like a really specific vernacular <laughs> and it was very nice to write with that one, because, um, you know, it just came so easily and I, I know those two so well. And two, because it's in the future and maybe people just talk dumb. You know, maybe just like people just say ridiculous things in ridiculous ways and it's normal. <laughs> yeah. And do you have a favorite moment from the piece that you were just really excited to voice or just like a moment that you're like, yes, this is like the this is what this piece is about? One of my favorite parts to record was um, when when Kimbra is supposed to kiss Emery on the cheek. <laughs> because we recorded it, we recorded this in a live call together, all three of us, with Will directing and then Katie and I acting. And we got to that part and Katie was so nervous about faking a kiss in the call. Um, So (laughs) we told her she could do it off the camera. And then I proceeded to kiss the back of my hand a bunch of times, (laughs) just obnoxiously. Be like, it's that easy. That's all you have to do. And I think that's what you ended up using. It is. One of my obnoxious (laughs) hand kisses. (laughs) These like awful, like most of them were like these terrible slurpy noises. It was, it was ridiculous, but one was good. So I was like, yeah. I feel like that is peak audio drama. Just listening to like a hundred bad sounds. So you can find the one good sound that you want. I want to go back to, you know, you all met online and obviously a lot of this 
stories about sort of like making friends in an online universe, right? And sort mm-hmm. of what are the limitations and what are the possibilities but when you're interacting with people in in VR. I'm wondering how you how you thought about crafting because sometimes you see VR worlds as a dystopia, right? Where it's like we're all just living in our headsets and we're not connecting. And then other times you see it as a pure utopia and you kind of have a little bit of both in here. And I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about how you came to that version of a VR future. So online friendships are like some of the most important friendships I have, at least. Um, You know, I met Anne and Katie through this Discord server, and that led to two of the closest friendships I've ever had, which also led to starting up an LLC and getting artistic work out there and sharing, you know, business knowledge and being in business meetings together, et cetera, et cetera. But also, I live in Phoenix. The other two live on the East Coast. Uh, And distance sucks. So VR feels... The way that I think about it is all of the digital solutions that we have to distance or to connection, um, they all have these huge upsides, but they all come with some kind of a cost. You know, like I don't know if we can ever have a a perfect solution to anything like this. I know that like I try to visit Ann and Katie as much as I can, but I miss them. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you too. Like it sucks to not have the people I care about most always physically present. Um and I think that that, that sort of lack and that longing for something more more physical and more immediate also led to that that lack of sensory information and a, a lot of what we wrote about in pink carnation or ed7a9e so i keep just calling it the piece <laughs> yeah the piece yep <laughs> um one of the things i i tried to talk about a lot there is like the concept of of what is the real, you know, in that you can't touch anything really there. Um, You can have something close to the sensation. And at the end of the piece, you know, they they have done their best to get the best approximation of a carnation and of these flowers, but they're going to keep working on it together. And I think that's as, I, I think that's me channeling as grateful as I feel for things, even like like this uh, recording right now, we're recording on Zoom and I can see you too and it's wonderful. And, you know, I have calls with Anne and Katie and we are doing our best to approximate the closeness that we cannot actually achieve physically right now. Um, and I like that there is an idea of consistently working on that too, finding other ways we can fill those gaps. I want to talk a little bit about, too, the um, there's this interesting play in the piece about job elimination, but also like creativity, right? Because you have a florist who loses their job, not because they're automated out of it, but because there are no more flowers, which is sort of a surprising twist on you lost your job in the future. Um, but you also have, you know, this artist who is creating these skins and creating this this work that sort of even in this future, computers can't do. And I'm curious, like, how much you thought about sort of the future of work almost as a piece of this story. 
yeah, this this was a big one for me. And this is one where I think um, so I can be kind of like not tech pessimistic. I wouldn't say that, but tech cautious, wary, suspicious. Um, I spend a lot of time and part of this is because of valence, which is largely a discussion of data privacy. I spend a lot of time like steeping in articles and and news reports of how big data companies are like spying on us and what have you. But when it comes to that that field of thought, I feel like I, I am very, very, very different from most people in that when it comes to the future of work, I don't see automation as something that is necessarily a hindrance. And in my mind, that comes with a lot of other, like, really probably naively optimistic ideas where, you know, we would be post-capitalist or we would have a universal basic income and people don't have to worry about their their art necessarily being able to provide for them because they would just be able to live. And obviously, if you're in VR, there's, like, other things that go into that, blah, blah, blah. So... I have also read a lot of stories about AI making art. Um, there was a really fascinating, I think, radio lab a while back about an AI that had composed a piece and arguing whether or not we can call that art or call that music and like who owns the copyright. Does the AI own the copyright? And all of that is fascinating to me. But I think that there is, I think that there is something impossibly human about most of the art that we consume and irreplaceably human. And I like this idea of a future where AI is making art. I think that that is delightful. Uh, I think it's very sweet and fascinating and fun, but I don't think it'll ever replace a real intentionality in art and the, the inherent mistakes that humans make. So thinking about the future of work and what job replacement by systems does. But I, I tend to think that if if there is less of that kind of labor that we are mandated to do and less of a need to do that labor for the purpose of survival, we will have more options to do more things that capitalism has largely frowned upon, like making art. Which isn't to say that everybody will abandon farming or abandon other things like that. Um, I like a future where we have the choice, where we don't have to limit ourselves to the occupations that seem available to us based on location or our previous income or our education or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We can look past a world where what we do every day for X amount of hours every day doesn't have to be something that's just needed, but something that we embrace. Yeah, I also love the sort of ways in which the piece gets at who decide memory and who decides what is conserved and what is preserved, right? The fact that these flowers are not already in some database somewhere for this person to kind of look at means that somebody decided that they weren't worth it, quote unquote, to, to preserve. And sort of this history making and sort of conservation of ideas and feelings with these two individual people and sort of building that for themselves feels like a commentary to me a little bit on like 
data and data storage and who gets to decide what data is important and who is tagging that data. And I mean, I know it connects to some of your other work um, with Valence. And so I, I, I saw that I saw that sneak in there <laughs> with this piece, too. That's that's our secret. Everything is data privacy. It's so true. Uh, it's so true. <laughs> but I think that, that also goes back to how we write about the mundane, you know, like the reason I chose carnations is because at, at least my mom hates carnations. And when I was being raised, my mom would talk about how carnations are just so ugly. My my grandmother was a florist. or it's She was a florist. She is still alive, for clarification, because of grandmothers. Um, and they just have a lot of flower opinions, <laughs> a lot. When I was getting married, my mom was like, just, you know, do whatever flowers you want, just no carnations. And I was like, okay. Um, but I have spent a lot of time looking at them in grocery stores, especially being like a very broke, very sad person who wants a pretty thing. Um, carnations are dirt cheap and everyone hates them, but they're actually really beautiful and they're so silly. Like they're just a ridiculous little puff of a thing. What? I love it. So I think that like we focus so much on, you know, big, huge spectacle, like you were saying, and tend to forget about the importance of really small things that others might see as boring or simple or silly or cheap. Um, but I think that those things are so wonderful. And that was definitely a commentary on that, on trying to focus on the importance of small fleeting things, because that's another thing that I think is so important to the human experience is, is the experiences that are very small. So much of our day-to-day lives are, it, it's made up of the little things and you don't think about, you don't think about it till it's gone. And then you're like, oh man, I wish I could see a carnation. Mm-hmm. And you can't. Um, or just, just the little tiny things in your life that you take for granted and you see every day and then Mm -hmm. you don't realize they're gone until suddenly something's different and changed. Yeah. And widening out from those little things, right? The small stuff. There is also this element in the episode or in this piece of not being in the bigger environment, right? With sort of like a, maybe a capital E, the ecosystem, the trees and the sky and the sort of things around you. Um, What do you think the impact of not having nature more broadly would be on people? I mean, I, I think that it would have to be, I think it would have to be something like psychologically catastrophic for everyone. I, I, I can't, and maybe this is just from having lived up in the mountains for like six years and then moving down to the desert. And don't get me wrong, like the desert is a nature, you know, it does nature things like love a prickly pear. Absolutely. But like sometimes a tree is real good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> grass, you know, uh, grass, amazing. Trees, uh, <laughs> big, colorful bushes, full of flowers, the, uh, you know, the leaves changing color in the, in the winter. In the fall, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't have you that. don't get that, and I don't. <laughs> and you've said that like it would be really hard for you. I could to move away from the ocean. I could never. I I live less than a mile from the ocean. I've always lived on the east coast where I have all the four seasons, and even this year, we didn't get like any snow, and even not having that that I'm so used to is it it feels off. Like something feels mm-hmm. off. I had one of my friends um, say she was going to drive up north 
to where my parents live because they're getting three feet of snow tomorrow because she misses snow. It's just mm-hmm. it's just something like that. I think, yeah, without the natural environments that we're used to, I think it, it, they're a part of us. And if, if something like that were to drastically change suddenly, it would it would have immense impacts. Over time, if it changed, then mm-hmm. it would have maybe less of an impact. But to to go from something to something else just so suddenly and no, you can't get that back. I, I don't I don't know how I would cope with that. I'd love to know from both of you at the end of the piece, what are you hoping listeners or the audience is feeling? Like what is the feeling you're hoping that they leave with? Hmm. I think a little wary still. Um, read about climate change. Write some letters. Um, but ultimately, I hope comforted. That's I think that's the main feeling. The comforted in the fact that like things will change always forever, but that doesn't mean that the way that we experience those things and the humanity of who we are will change. I think that we will be human people forever and ever. And I think that we will experience countless changes as as things get more dire. And even if they don't, um, I think nothing really ever stays the same forever. And so I hope they feel comforted in the fact that, like, change will happen no matter what. We will still be okay. Just that that glimmer of hope always, you know, there's, yeah, the change is going to happen. People are going to stay the same. Yeah. So we have two questions that we're asking everybody at the end. The first one is, what is your favorite piece of hopeful media? It doesn't have to be science fiction. It can be kind of anything. But what is a piece of media that when you, you know, engage with it, whether it's writing or music or film, like just at the end of it, you're like feeling hopeful? So one of the other like big inspirations for this piece is uh, the piece 17,776 or What Football Will Look Like in the Future by John yeah. Boyce. 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 I love that um, piece. <laughs> thank you. It is, it's maybe like my favorite piece of media just ever. Um, for people who haven't experienced it yet, it is an online multimedia thing. Uh, it's amazing. Even if you don't like football, I don't like football. I don't care. Um, it is so beautiful. And I I love... So it's, it's about a future in which humans can't die. Just accept that at face value. They have been living for like hundreds and thousands of years. And it's an examination of how we keep ourselves entertained and what we do in our spare time. And it's another thing that's just so mundane. Everyone speaks so naturally um it's a lot of it is depicted as like almost chat logs where people have different colors of dialogue and they'll cut each other off um and you can hear how that sounds even though there's no audio to it other than like a few songs and videos some of the characters are satellites and i love them like they're some of the most human characters it's just so wonderful and it's such a it also talks a lot about climate change but it's so 
aggressively humanistic and so loving of humans in a way that's almost, almost, uh, like aliens looking at humans and being like, look at these cute little guys. What are they up to? What? They're doing what? But that's like so, I think that's such a genuine way of looking at why humanity can be great. Like we're so ridiculous. We are such ridiculous things. Um, yeah. So 17,776 by John Boys, hands down. I love that piece so much. And I, I always love introducing it to people because like, Yes. The first time you experience it is really the best time because you're just like, it is. what is going on? And then once you like kind of get into it, it's just like this incredible journey. It's amazing. I just love Broadway musicals. So everything like that. Um, oh, man, I know exactly which one. I'm going to mention Hades Town. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> So Hades Town is a musical by Anais Mitchell. Started as a like a concept album. Will you've been a fan of it for ten million years? Um, but the whole the the whole premise of it is you go through life, you know something's gonna happen, and you tell the story again. You do it. You keep going, even though even though you know you know it might because maybe it might turn out different this time. Mm-hmm. So that it always just it ends, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know maybe it will be different. I know it's not going to be, <laughs> but the persistence. But the persistence. And the hope, yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess that it ties back into into Pink Carnation with, you know, there's, there's it, it's a apocalyptic world, mm-hmm. kind of. You know, stuff is, nature is dying, but they're still going on and they're, you know, maybe something will change. And, uh, you know, they're, what you do can make a difference. What are you the most hopeful for right now in the world? I think I am most hopeful for the gradual but continual uprising of the oppressed. Um, I think everything happens too slowly, but it happens. And I think that's what gives me the most hope. Well, mine's going to seem insincere now because I'm just, you know, I have to be hopeful for the little things right now. Yeah. And I am I am just hopeful that for the next 10 minutes, my dogs don't bark. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've barked a couple times, but only once and they haven't started up. And I just have to be hopeful that <laughs> they don't start up before we get off this call. It's the little things, man. <laughs> That's your carnation for right now. That's my carnation right now. <laughs> well, Will and Anne, thank you both so much for joining us to talk about the future and, and this piece. ED7893, Pink Carnation, was written, produced, and sound designed by Will Williams. Emery was played by Anne Bayard. Kimbra was played by Katie Yeomans. You can find out more on hexadeckpod.com. Open World is a partnership between Philos Future Media and Flash Forward Presents. Hosted by TK Dutess and Rose Eveleth. Produced by Brittany Brown. 
intro music by Blue Dot Sessions. Additional sound design by T.H. Ponders. With engineering by C. You can contact us via social media. We are on the Twitters at OpenWorldPod. You can email us at hello at OpenWorldRadio.com. You can visit OpenWorldRadio.com for more about any of what you heard on this show, more links to the amazing creators who we featured here, how to find their work. Also, there are transcripts of each episode up on the website if you want to read those or revisit them. And we really loved taking this journey with you. So thanks for coming along for the ride.